0: Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's word. Seeing face to face, that is the title of the message this morning, seeing face to face. And uh, from the beginning of time, it has been God's desire to have unbroken fellowship with us. From the beginning of time, we see this from the beginning of creation, that God's desire was to have unbroken fellowship with man, with Adam and Eve. We see in Genesis that, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That is a beautiful picture. God's desire for us from the beginning of time is unbroken fellowship. Now, the sad thing is this, just because that has been God's desire and just because that He's fulfilled and made a way for that desire to be manifest, doesn't mean that it's automatically happening. Just like it's God's desire that the whole world would come to repentance, it doesn't automatically happen. Because in order for the world to come to repentance and for order for people to come to repentance to receive the gospel, they need to operate in faith. And choose that by their free will. And it's the same for us. Just because it's God's desire, that He desires to have and enjoy unbroken fellowship with us, doesn't mean it's automatically coming to pass. It's not automatically just happening. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. We're talking about seeing God face to face. The question that I want to ask you, and it's maybe a rhetorical question, but I still want you to think about this and imagine this. Do you want to see God face to face? Or would you prefer seeing Him through a ritual? Would you like to see God face to face clearly? Or would you like to have fellowship with Him through a ritual? Or through a mediator, so to speak? Now, I get that Jesus is our mediator, but He's not our mediator in the sense that He's standing between us and God. Jesus' Spirit is living right inside of you. And from that place, we have fellowship with the Father. But we have to ask ourselves the questions, are we going to put rituals between us and God, or are we going to see Him face to face? God's desire is to have unveiled, unbroken communion with us. Unveiled communion with us. Now, are you ready to remove the veil and to see the bridegroom face to face? That's a beautiful picture, and we're going to get to this a little bit later, where a bride walks down the aisle, comes to the bridegroom, and there's an unveiling. And the bridegroom sees his bride face to face. There's nothing preventing him from seeing her clearly, perfectly. Now, for us as believers, there's a symbolism in that. Where there was a veil, and that veil has been removed. But some believers are still looking at God through a veil. And that is what we're going to look at this morning. And the the invite is this, though. That there's going to be an unveiling in the ministry through the Word that gives you an opportunity to remove the veil... Because God has removed the veil on His part, but you can still look at it through a veil. Um, You can still look at God and have fellowship with Him through a veil. And so I'm inviting you to remove the veil this morning, but I'm not going to force you to remove the veil. Isn't that nice of me? Romans 6 verse 10 to 11 says, For by the death He died. He died to sin, this is talking about Jesus, ending His relation to it once for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with Him. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. This is beautiful. The picture doesn't end at a relationship to sin is broken. The picture of Jesus didn't end by His death. And just his resurrection. There was more to it. His death and his resurrection led to something else. And that is the outpouring of the spirit and the promise of God being made available, the desire of God being made available for his spirit to dwell in man and having unbroken fellowship, unbroken union, unbroken unveiled communion with us. Consider yourselves dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. But also a life to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him. A lot of people are living in a place of like, at least my sin is forgiven. Man, that is not where God wants you to camp. He wants you to be alive. He wants you to experience life with Him in unbroken fellowship. But life happens. The manifestation of fruit happens. Fruit bearing comes from what? If you think about a husband and a wife, intimacy. And it's in our intimacy with God, in our unbroken communion with Him, that we get to experience life and life till it overflows. Let's go to John chapter 16 and we're going to talk about an amazing mystery that's been made known to us. And I've already touched on some of these truths. John 16 verse 25 to 27. And this is really important to take note that the Bible doesn't have many messages. The Bible doesn't have a message on healing, a message on prosperity, a message on family, a message on deliverance. Now those things are in the Bible. So I'm not saying those things aren't in the Bible. But that's not the message of the Bible. Jesus Himself said to the disciples, in John chapter 5, He talks about this, and in Luke chapter 24, He went to the Scriptures, Genesis To Malachi, he went to the prophets and to the law of Moses and he opened their understanding to point to himself. He used, Jesus used the scriptures to point to himself. He used the Old Testament to bring understanding about who he is and that from the beginning of time, Jesus was and Jesus was coming and that manifestation came to be. That is the message of the Bible. Jesus said that the forgiveness of sins and justification unto righteousness should be preached to all nations. That's the message of the Bible. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a message of forgiveness of sins but justification unto righteousness having the spirit of God live inside of you. That is the message of the God, Bible. John 16, verse 25 to 27 says this, I have spoken to you using figurative language. Jesus is ministering here. And He says, But the time is coming when I will no longer teach you with veiled speech, but I will teach you about the Father with your eyes unveiled. And I will not need to ask the Father on your behalf, for you will ask Him directly because of your new relationship with Me. For the Father tenderly loves you because you love Me and believe that I've come from God. This is awesome. Yeah. Passion's talking about this unveiling. That there's going to be a ministry. There's a time coming and that time has come because remember when the, when the, 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 um, the gospel of John was being written and in this time, the, the fulfillment of the spirit hasn't been poured out yet. We always need to read and study the Bible within the context, understanding like, cool. What are the major events in the Bible? One of the major events in the Bible is Jesus' death, his resurrection, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is very much what John chapter 16 is talking about. Jesus talking to his disciples and saying that I'm going to give you another comforter. I have to leave, and I'm going to send you another comforter. And then we're getting into some of this. And he's saying, like, there's a I've talked to you with with a veiling over your eyes, but there's a time coming where you're no longer going to see and understand with a veiling over your eyes. You're going to have fellowship with the Father directly because of your relationship with Me. For the Father tenderly loves you because you love Me and believe that I've come from God. Now God doesn't love you in the sense that because here we're reading this this passage of Scripture and that's why it's so important to read and to interpret the Word of God with the Word of God. Because we can now easily go into... Into this uh, verse 27 says like, okay, so the Father tenderly loves me in regard to my love for Jesus. Because that's what the scripture is kind of saying, right? But what do we know about John chapter 4? Where does our love for God really come from? We love Him because He first loved us. So we need to understand and interpret the Word of God with the Word of God and not get confused with religious thinking. Because religion and reading with a veil over your eyes is going to have you misinterpret the Word of God, not seeing the fulfillment of Jesus and the Spirit of God living inside of us. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. It says Jesus is ministering to disciples here and He's ministering about something that is currently taking place, but there's something else coming where there's no longer going to be a veiling over your eyes. Ephesians 3, 9-12 to says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. This is powerful. This is beautiful. Just there, right there. The fellowship of the mystery. The communion of the mystery. I don't want to say ministry the whole time. (laughs) Mystery. The fellowship of the mystery. There's a communion. That word fellowship is uh, the Greek word koinonia, which means communion, which means a partaking, a fellowship, a union. There's a union that we have in the mystery. Now what is this mystery? It's, it's it's, It's not something vague. It's not something kind of mystical. We're going to get into that. Which from the beginning of the world, again, from the beginning of the world, from Genesis, that's the beginning of the world. From Genesis, from the beginning of the world, this mystery has been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purpose, from the beginning of time, there's been a purpose and that purpose was in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of Him. The boldness and the confidence that we have this morning is not because of anything I've done. My preaching and ministry this morning is not because of my great preparation. Even though I prepared quite well for this, this time together this morning. And I had fun preparing and I, and I have fun, um, getting, digging into the Word of God, studying the Word of God and bringing it to the table so that we can feast together. So that I can share truths with you and so that you can think about these truths, make notes, and even if something sounds a little bit foreign to you, to come to me and ask me about these things. Because we are family, right? I'm not a, a, a minister that comes in and I've got my green room at the back and and there's a purpose and there's a time and place. I understand why there's green rooms and stuff like that. But I'm not entering in from the back here, asking for a standing ovation, and then ministering the Word and then leaving afterwards. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd spends time with the flock. Shepherd, Even the, 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 the Jewish shepherds, a lot of times they were sleeping in the, in the field with the sheep, protecting them, spending time with them. That's really God's heart for us, and um, I don't know why I shared that. But anyways, so this boldness and confidence that we have is not because of what we are or what we've done, but by Jesus Christ, but by having confidence of the faith of Him. That's talking about Jesus. But this is God's purpose from the beginning of time. His purpose is found in Jesus Christ. Now let's get to Colossians chapter 1. We're building on this, this mystery, talking about this because there's a union and a fellowship of this mystery that we just read about. And it says in Colossians 1, 25 to 27 God has given me the responsibility. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing about a responsibility that's been given to him. And he says, this responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This is beautiful. And how has the world really distorted this picture of the Apostle or the, the leader? All of these titles. Apostle, prophet. So like, oh, like, and so. Like like and I get that, like um I've had a few conversations in the in the past even week or so where different people maybe call me pastor Etienne and then I am just like like it's just Etienne, it's fine, like I don't need the title. Um and I understand where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of respect and honor, and that's awesome, and I and I value that. But you can obviously respect and honor someone without calling them by title, right? So um, it's really God's heart and Paul is addressing a matter and he says, it's been given my responsibility of serving His church. Like my responsibility first and foremost is to serve the bride of Christ. And all of us get to serve the bride of Christ and that's so important to always remember that that's where leadership starts. It starts with serving. I love this saying and it holds so true, if serving is beneath you then leadership is behind you. If you can't serve the people you're wanting to lead, you'll never truly be able to lead them. And so, it's an invitation to draw from God, to see Jesus, because Jesus again demonstrated that for us. That He Himself said, I did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve. To lay down my life for you. It's my responsibility of serving the church by proclaiming the entire message to you. Verse 26, this message, He's talking about the message of the Bible, guys. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations. Past, But now it's been revealed to God's people. So he's talking about the, the secret. He's talking about the mystery. Some translations uh, use the word mystery. Some uses the, uh, the word secret. It's been hidden for generations. But now it's been revealed to God's people. When has it been revealed to God's people? No, you're wrong. It's not now. It was, when it was written, it was now. But this was written a few hundred years ago. So the mystery and the secret, it's not kind of being revealed now. It's been revealed. It's been made known. And we're reading in light of what's already taken place, what's already been revealed. Verse 27, For God wanted them to know, here it comes, that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. This is the mystery. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. This is the fellowship that we that God intends for us to have the communion that He intends for us to have. It's through the revelation of this mystery. Christ in us. That mystery's been revealed. Christ in you. Christ in me. And this is Paul's prayer. We see this amazing prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15. And He prays a prayer and we can learn a lot of things about what and how someone prays. And we we learn a whole lot about about Paul and about what powerful prayer is really about and what brings manifestation of fruitfulness in a situation. It's understanding who we are in Christ. It's having a revelation. Paul is praying for understanding, for wisdom about what we've got in Christ. That the Spirit will illuminate our hearts to see who we are and who we are in union and fellowship with Jesus let's go to second corinthians chapter 3 getting into a little bit more of this unveiling that's come up now in a few of these verses so we're talking about having unbroken unveiled fellowship with God unbroken unveiled uninterrupted fellowship with God communion with God second corinthians 3:8 to 15 from the Passion Translation, and then we'll continue in the Amplified Classic from verse 16. It says, Yet how much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? How much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? That's beautiful. The, 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 the choice of words. It's a ministry that shines from It's not a ministry that is there. It's not something that we have to go to there. It's something that is within. And that glory shines from within us when we come to know the glory of God. When we come to know, unveiled, who we are in Christ and who He is in us. Verse 9, For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory... How much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? Now, it's not that God made a mistake. Praise Jesus. We can often think like, oh man, God made a mistake and He fixed it. That's not, that's not what happened. There was a measure of glory. And the measure of glory wasn't because God prevented or, or kept something from us. It's because there was a manifestation and there was a coming of a greater glory. So when it talks about a greater glory and excelling in glory, it's not because the previous was a mistake, but the previous bolted onto something coming. So without the previous, the, the the latter glory won't make sense. Without the law, without Genesis to Malachi, the New Testament doesn't make sense. Why would we need saving if we find? But we weren't fine. Guess what? You weren't fine. You needed a savior. And that is exactly what the, the Old Testament is pointing towards. People coming, going, people rebelling against God. Continually, time after time, time after time. And then we see this, the coming of the Messiah. And John chapter 1, John sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, fix your attention to what has been prophesied about, what has been talked about through all generations, He's come. The Messiah. Who takes away the sin of the world. But He doesn't just take away the sin of the world. That was one part of it. And we just looked at Jesus didn't camp there. It wasn't just overcoming sin, but having perfect, unbroken fellowship with the Father. So we too must consider that. Ourselves dead to sin and alive and unbroken fellowship with God. That's amazing truth. But that truth is not a reality to all of us. And it's not to, to put a heavy on you, but it's to ask yourself the question, what is hindering me from seeing face to face Jesus, God Almighty, and what He's done for me? What is hindering me? What, what veil have I put over my eyes to prevent me from seeing the bridegroom perfectly face to face as God desires for me to see Him? Verse 10, what once was glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasing greater glory that has replaced it. Or more directly, it's it's fulfilled it. Because that's what Jesus said. He didn't come to destroy something, but He came to fulfill something. He came to complete something. And that is also beautiful because we'll get into it a little bit later. But the fulfilling of something, of the law, and the completion of that meant something else as well. And we will get to that in a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing that connection to the to the later what is coming. Verse eleven: the fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. Verse twelve: I'm not going to get into a whole everything that is mentioned here because there's there's so much to just meditate on and pause on, and I want to encourage you to highlight, to make notes like. If if the Holy Spirit is like drawing and just illuminating something f- uh, to you from, from what I'm reading and wh- what we're getting into this morning, go to it again after this time together because there's something specific that the Holy Spirit wants to wants to minister to you and, and uh, 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 bring to light for you in in this. So there's a permanent impartation of glory. Say permanent with me. Permanent. permanent. It's important to realize that what jesus came to do there's a permanence in that when you respond to it it's not like one moment it's like it's good and then the other moment it's like oh it's not so good or one moment you you feel tight and you're close to god and then the other moment it's like oh man why did he go on holiday Hebrews 13 verse 5, He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise from God. There's a permanent impartation of glory. And we'll get into this glory a little bit in a moment. Verse 12, So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Freedom and boldness comes from our understanding of who we are, what Jesus has done for us. If you're not experiencing freedom and boldness to speak the truth, what is the truth? Jesus is the truth. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're not experiencing a boldness and a confidence to talk about the love of Christ for you, for the people around you, maybe you haven't realized fully and come to see this amazing ministry of Jesus Christ to you. The radicalness of what happened to you when you received the Spirit of God. It wasn't a, oh well, that's pretty cool. I don't need to go to hell. That's ridiculous when, when we camp on the, 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 this, this, this little diminishing picture of what eternal life is about. At least I'm, I'm escaping hell. Man, is that while the world is still living in the mess that it is, while there's so many Christians, believers in the world, filled with the Spirit of God Almighty inside of them. The Spirit of God Almighty living inside of us. Stirring a boldness and a confidence to minister the truth of God, to speak the truth and love. But this is only going to manifest this fruit is all the freedom and boldness is a fruit of something. It's a fruit of realizing who Christ is inside of me. Now, oftentimes, people portray a picture of freedom, but oftentimes it's just carnality. There's a difference between the freedom that God talks about. And ministers of, ministers on, and it goes beyond just a natural appearance of something. Because a lot of the world thinks they're living in freedom. We, we, we don't experience a lot of these, these strange things happening in the world in South Africa. But in America, a lot of crazy is happening. In Canada, a lot of crazy is happening. And oftentimes people say like, at least I'm free. Like I'm free to do X, Y, and Z. I'm free to do this, that, or the next thing. But if your freedom is contradicting the freedom that Jesus Christ came to bring, it is not freedom. Because the word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're gonna get into that in a moment. And that's the only place where we can experience true eternal freedom is with the spirit of God inside of us and us coming to know that, not us being distracted by a whole bunch of carnal things that is happening around us. Verse 13, we are not like Moses who used the veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from star- starting or staring at Him as it faded away. And that's beautiful. From, from that time already, it's talking about the fading away already happened from the moment. Because from the beginning of time, the picture of Jesus and what He was going to come and accomplish was set in motion. It's not like things happened and then God had to like reshuffle and like okay this didn't work out reshuffle this didn't work out okay now we need to do this and then we need to do that and then ultimately okay i think now Jesus you need to come in you need to save the day it's awesome how God almighty we we in our human thinking we often just limit God's ability and his just his magnitude by our understanding our human frail understanding but praise God for His Spirit living inside of us, that now we can see differently. Jesus said that to His disciples, like, "There's a veiling. There's, a, there's. I'm speaking in in parables, and I'm speaking in in symbolisms and things like that. But there's a time coming where there's an unveiling and a manifestation of this unveiling, where we get to enjoy God face to face." Verse fourteen: Their minds were closed and hardened. For even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. Now, two things here. Firstly, there's a... There's a, a, a An unveiling that takes place, as the scripture here says, that a veil is eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. And that happens when one receives Christ and the Spirit of God living inside of them. Okay, But then there's another aspect to take into account. Like I said, just because that's the truth, just because that's the reality, the Spirit of God Almighty living inside of you, that doesn't mean that automatically you're going to see a fruitfulness of that truth. We often say this, and it's so true that the most powerful thing in this world is free will. Why is it so powerful? Because God has limited His will to your free will. No person ever on the face of the earth will God force to believe in Him and receive the forgiveness of their sins. Yet God desires for every person to know Him intimately and personally. And in the same way, God desires for us to, to see Him with an unveiling, to see Him face to face, but it doesn't come to pass automatically. The reality is there. The truth is there for you to experience. But just because it's there for you to experience, doesn't mean that you're automatically going to experience it because of your free will, because of the things that you are Holding on to maybe because of the the things that you are magnifying, maybe that is contrary to the fulfillment of Jesus Christ and His Spirit living inside of you. Now, the amazing thing about the ministry and grace life is we'll never hold on to something and promote something if we come to a place where we see that what we have held on to or held on to, that which we've we've ministered even. There's a clearer picture and a clearer reality of what Jesus came to do for us. And maybe you think like, oh man, I don't want to be in that church. I want to be part of this ministry because that is humility. That shows that we have not arrived. We are still growing in understanding. As Paul prayed, continual understanding. That means that there's a partial understanding. And we're growing in understanding. And as we as leaders and as the ministry leaders is growing in understanding... You are also growing in understanding, so why don't we just have some grace for one another? Hey, It's fun to receive grace, right? Who enjoys receiving grace? Anyone here? Good stuff. Some of you don't enjoy receiving grace. That's probably, that's probably why you're not so good at demonstrating it either. Amen, Omi. The point is this, it's fun to receive grace when you need grace. But oftentimes, we're not so great at demonstrating grace to others who need it. That's why God's invite to us is to not love Him with your power, but to love Him with His love for you. John the disciple wrote about himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. When we know how much Jesus loves us, there will be an overflow of love for one another. When we know how much grace God has demonstrated and poured out for us, there will be an overflow of demonstration of grace to those people around us. 2 Corinthians 3.16-18 from the Amplified Classic so we, we, we're building on this picture of the, the 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 glory that was passing away, it was fading, and then there's a there's a there's a veil that that continuously coming over the, the people's eyes because they're looking at the old, the previous covenant, as it's mentioned there, when they're reading the old testament, they're reading it with a misunderstanding of it. And that's what Jesus talked about in Luke chapter twenty four, John chapter five. He's writing about and he's talking about and Even in in, in Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, You've known the Scriptures from a childhood, and these are they that are able to make you wise unto salvation. The Scriptures, the intent of the old is to bring wisdom unto salvation that comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the purpose. So when we go and read and study the old, we need to study it with an unveiling. With an understanding of what Jesus came to do for us, and the fulfillment of the greatest promise of all time, which is the Spirit of God living in man, that's exciting. Second Corinthians three sixteen to eighteen says, "But whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty, emancipation from bondage, from or uh, there is freedom." And all of us with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured or transformed into the very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Where God's Spirit is, there's freedom. Where God's Spirit is, there's a ministry of unveiling. Now, we are growing in understanding, because as understanding comes, you are like, lights go on, and it's like, ah, oh, I see. Like those aha moments, maybe you've had a few this morning. Aha, that means that you saw something like this, and then it's aha, you see it differently. Or you, you, you saw an, a glimpse of something, and then it's like, ah, oh, man, now you see the full picture. And so there's this continual ministry, and where does that come from? Verse 18, all of us with unveiled face. So firstly, we need to realize that with the Spirit of God inside of us, that veil has been removed, but now in our minds, because what does Paul say in Romans 12 verse 2, that we need to, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the same word that is used here, transfigured, it's transformed. It's metamorphosis, that picture, that process of a caterpillar, transforming into a butterfly that's the same picture that is that is illustrated here and so there's an unveiling because we're born again we've got the spirit of God living inside of us but now we need to continue to behold in the word of God as in the mirror the glory of the Lord then are constantly being transformed into this very same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory So what is all of this talking about? Why is this so so exciting? Because firstly, God's Word, James talks about the the Word being the mirror of God. Now what is this uh, Paul encouraging the the Corinthians to to behold? To behold in the mirror, behold in the Word of God, not behold like uh, how I can be a rich man. Not how to behold how you fill in the blank. I don't want to use any other examples lest I offend someone. The encouragement is to behold something specific from the Word of God. It's beholding Jesus. It's beholding coming to know Jesus Christ, becoming more fully acquainted with His life in us. Because that is the glory of God. The glory of God was the manifestation of Jesus and what He did for us on the cross through His death, His resurrection. And we see this in, in John John chapter 7. Jesus talks about that, and he's he's writing. He's he's talking to his disciples about the spirit coming, and he's talking about. But the spirit has not come yet because the son has not yet been glorified. Imagine that Jesus walking the face of the earth, doing signs, wonders, miracles, doing some amazing things, uttering those words that the son has not yet been glorified. Meaning that there's, there's 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 almost a there's still something greater coming. Something more glorious. And a lot of people are kind of waiting for the 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 second coming or the second manifestation of Jesus on earth. But why are we waiting? Why aren't we living? Why aren't we allowing the Spirit of God inside of us to be manifest so that people can come in contact with Jesus Himself? Some of you are offended because you like like, Oh, but it's fun to just wait and just sit and kind of... Let Jesus kind of let's wait for Him to come at the final whistle and come. Up. And there is something coming, and Jesus, there is going to be a specific manifestation. We're not going to get into that this morning, but there's a reason and a purpose that God chose for Jesus to die, pour out His Spirit, and that that Spirit inside of you is a new picture of glory that can be manifest here for the world to see. And as we behold in this mirror, as we behold the Word of God and Jesus Christ and who we are, Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, very much talking about identity, 4 to 6, talking about the manifestation of this identity. This is really the intent of the, the scriptures. When we're looking at Genesis to Malachi, it's pointing to Jesus, it's pointing to the coming Messiah, it's pointing to this new glory. And then in the gospels, Jesus is walking and he's ushering in this new, this new glory. And he's speaking in, 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 in shadows and metaphors. But then he's telling the disciples it's no longer going to be needed for this. And that manifestation of his spirit in us is an unveiling that has taken place. And that's why when you look at the writings from, from Paul and all of the epistles, Paul, Peter, and John, it's an interpretation it's an explanation of the old. That's why you don't really see parables in the letters. Have you ever wondered why that is? Like, as parables just become obsolete now? Is it not cool? Wasn't it trending anymore? Because the manifestation came—Jesus Christ living inside of man—and so when the epistles is written, it's it's being written from a. a A union and an unbroken fellowship with the Spirit of God and ministering the truth that has been from the beginning of time and the truth that was revealed and made manifest through Jesus' death and His resurrection and His Spirit living inside of man. Coming to a close, verse chapter 4. Let's go into the next chapter, verse 1. Now it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry. Again, Paul says it's a privilege, it's an honor. We've been entrusted with this ministry, this new covenant ministry. And we will not quit or faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover-up. What does that sound like? A veil. Every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the Word of God. Distorting means making unclear. That's again, what does a veil do? A bride doesn't see fully out of a veil when she looks through a veil, right? There's a blurriness. It's, it's it's You're not seeing a clear picture. We reject every shameful cover-up fu- cover uh, and then cunning trickery or distorting the Word of God. Instead, we open up our souls to You by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and presence of God. Even if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are perishing, for their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Now, there's a lot to say about that it's not talking about Satan is all powerful, but people are choosing certain things. People are living, living and 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 obeying to certain things that are preventing them from experiencing the gospel, experiencing the unveiling. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the the day'spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For we, your servants, for Jesus' sake, for God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded His light into us, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. As God spoke the world into existence, said, light be in that same manner when we receive this, when, we, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is, is spoken into. It's made, come alive inside of us, and we are never separated from God. Nothing can separate us from the Spirit of God living inside of us. You can live in any form of stupid, and that might cause uh, problems to those around you relationally. But the Spirit of God inside of you is not offended when you are choosing to live in sin. The Spirit of God inside of you does not leave when you do the silly that you do. His promise is sure that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, For God who said, Let brilliant light shine shine out of darkness is the one who has cascaded His light. It is God's work. It's not our work. It's His work. He made this come to pass. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of of Jesus Christ. Not as we gaze. To something carnal. To something material. But as we gaze to Jesus Christ. There's an unveiling. Jesus answered her. Let's get to. Um, the, the there's, a, there's an awesome a picture of this. Just in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We see a beautiful picture. An illustration of an unveiling. That is taking place. A beautiful example of this. And it was a. A prophetic unveiling in the sense that Jesus' spirit hasn't yet been poured out. So in John chapter 4, Jesus' ministry so uh, just, just begins, so to speak. And um, so his holy, He hasn't died yet. He hasn't poured out His spirit yet. But there's a prophetic uh, uh, picture of this unveiling that is taking place. So John chapter 4, the woman at the well. And let's go to... Verse 20, our forefathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where it's necessary and proper to worship. Jesus answered, a woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither merely in this mountain nor merely in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not know what you are worshipping. You worship what you do not comprehend. We know that we are worshipping. We are, we worship what we have knowledge of and understand. For after all, salvation comes from among the Jews. This is a good translation. It comes from among the Jews. okay, Talking about Jesus. A time will come, however, indeed is already here, when the true genuine worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Or reality there. In brackets. For the Father is seeking such people as these, as His worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Or reality. What did we see in Colossians chapter 1? What was the mystery? The mystery has been made known. And then in Colossians chapter 2, which I don't think we're going to get to, we are going to get to. Okay, hold on tight. Okay, so we're seeing Jesus ministering. He says that you're worshiping Him in a specific way. You think that it's about a building. and You think it's about doing this. You think it's about going there. You think about it's, it's all these carnal things that you do. And you think that is what worship is. No. There's a worship, and God desires for us to worship Him in reality. What is this? Verse 13, Jesus answered her, and He said, All who drink of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him shall never, no, never be thirsty anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water, welling up, flowing, bubbling continually within him unto eternal life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never get thirsty nor have to come continually all the way here to draw water. So now I'm jumping in between thoughts here. But he's not talking about physical water. He's not talking about like a a, a nice holy water that he's, he's spoken blessing of, and then if you drink that, it's miraculously going to just quench your thirst. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 7, uh, we see this again coming up. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that will be poured out. And when we come to receive His Spirit, we can enjoy unbroken communion and fellowship with the Father. Because verse 15, this woman got this. Give me this water so that I may never get thirsty nor have to come continually all the way here to draw. There's a whole lot of other things that you can put in there. Give me the Spirit of God so that I can see face to face with unveiling who God is. Give me the Spirit so that I don't need to continually have to do X, Y, and Z. Now I'm saying X, Y, and Z specifically so you can go and fill in the blanks. Let's jump down to verse 25 from the voice. Now we're getting into the part after Jesus ministered. Um, There's this reality to her. verse 25. These mysteries will be made clear by He who is promised. From the voice uh, translation. These mysteries will be made clear by He who is promised. The anointed one. The anointed is speaking to you. I am the one you have been looking for. The woman went back to the town, leaving a water pot behind. She stopped men and women on the street and told them about what had happened. What did the woman do after she saw? After she saw the prophetic manifestation of Jesus the anointed is here. He's the promise. But the promise hasn't yet been fulfilled completely because Jesus hasn't died yet. But he was ministering to her prophetically what he's ushering in. This new ministry. What did the woman do with the word she received? She left something. Now some of you think like, oh it's... Oh, she just left the water part and just went along her own way. She was so excited. There's a the significance in what happened there. She left something. She left what she came there for. She left a carnal thing because she experienced something supernatural. Now the question is this. Are there things that you need to leave behind? Are there carnal things that you need to leave behind? I'm not talking about sin. Are there carnal things that you need to leave behind? so you can see face to face who God is and who Jesus is. Seeing Jesus face to face means removing of all things that distract from His glory and what He did for us. All things. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about letting go of the weight and the sin. Oftentimes there are things that we are holding on to that's not necessarily a sin, but it is a weight. It's about glorifying Him, Jesus, for His finished work, not a partial finished work. Jesus didn't come to do a partial work. He came to do a completed work. Removing the shadows and embracing the reality. Seeing face to face. That's what a a veil is. It's not seeing clearly. It's only seeing in part. And Jesus said, there was a time where I was ministering and there was uh, uh, parables and and, uh, these different ways that I was ministering. But... There's a time coming where you're no longer going to see me through parables, but you're going to experience me in my reality. We see this in Galatians chapter 4. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you, but perhaps all my work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Why do you go back again and become slaves once more to these principles? Trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days, months, seasons, or years. Now there's a whole bunch of things there that Paul did not address, but that is part of this whole picture, this, 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 this communication that he's making to him. Then Paul goes as far as saying, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I've become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. The Gentiles weren't Jews. They weren't living by any of the Jewish Jewish Rituals, laws, customs, nothing. Nada. And Paul says "Yeah, guys, I've seen something. I've tasted. I've experienced the reality of Christ. I've seen unveiled who Jesus is. So much so that I'm leaving it all behind. All Jewish traditions, customs, and everything. Because guess what? Colossians chapter 2. Let's go there. Beware, let any man spoil you through philosophy. Vain seed. Verse 8. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwells the fullness of Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, which is the head of principality and power. Then verse 16, that there was a shadow. These things were shadows. They were types and shadows of something to come. And guess what? He came. Christ Himself is that reality. Now, are you beholding the reality? Or are you trying to enjoy Jesus by looking through a veil? Are you trying to have fellowship with God through a veil? Through a ritual? Through a custom? Through an ordinance? That's the question to ask. Today, you get to choose to remove the veil completely. And when you, if you're born again, that veil is removed spiritually speaking. But yet, still you have an opportunity in your mind to renew it. To break away from traditions, from, from customs, from, from things that you've even maybe up until this point in your life taken upon and build relationship with God through something. Just imagine that quickly. Building relationship with God through something. That is doing life with God with the veil over your eyes. where the invite years and what Paul is saying, going so far as as a Jew, knowing the customs, the traditions that they lived by, He's ministering to this church. He says, like, guys, I've gone so far to live like the Gentiles. Not by living in sin, but completely removing all things. Because all things have been fulfilled. All things, every shadow in the old has been fulfilled through Jesus' death, resurrection, the outpouring of the Spirit and that Spirit now living in man, in us, so that we can enjoy unbroken, unveiled fellowship with God. Seeing him face to face. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.